0: the Democrat fomented color revolution. Since the burning, looting, assaults, and statue toppling began, every conservative, every right of center, and every left of center American has been asking themselves, what the heck is happening? Sane people know America is not a racist country. They know that oppressed people all around the world long to come to America for the opportunity to be free of oppression. Sane people look around and see, interracial families, racially and ethnically diverse neighborhoods, churches, and social groups, and persons of color succeeding at the highest levels in government, academia, sports, the media, and the arts. Sane people know that truly unjust killings of completely innocent blacks by police are rare. So, sane people intuitively understand that the anarchy in our streets is not organic. It's manufactured by people with money and power who at the moment lack the one thing their dark hearts desire, total government control. This means they need the presidency, the U.S. Senate, and the Supreme Court. Anyone who still believes the empty deceitful words of leftists who claim to value diversity, tolerance, free speech, and religious liberty is dangerously gullible. Several months now, voices have been crying in the virtual wilderness that we are in the midst of a de facto color revolution. Their voices need to be amplified exponentially and immediately. But first, a look at a recent well-publicized news story about the Transition Integrity Project, which illuminates elements of our ongoing color revolution. In June, the findings of the laughably misnamed Transition Integrity Project, TIP, were released. TIP was created to engage in, quote, election crisis scenario planning exercises, end quote. Not surprisingly, in the fertile imaginations of the TIP members, all the crises they anticipate happening will be caused by Trump. TIP's founders are left-wing Georgetown University professor and activist Rosa Brooks, a close and longtime associate of George Soros, and Nils Gilman, a good buddy to the Chinese Communist government. George Soros has deep connections to color revolutions, most notably the Orange Revolution in Ukraine. With a straight face and a long wooden nose, Rosa Brooks claims TIP is a bipartisan project. She's technically accurate. There were some Republicans involved. They were all seething never-Trumpers. Maybe there were some Trump supporters, but since, of the over 100 people involved, only about a dozen names are publicly available, we don't know. Gilman, friend of the Chinese communists and member of the party that created the Russia collusion hoax and impeachment farce, pretended that Tip was created out of concern that if Trump loses, his outgoing administration, quote, could potentially get up to a lot of mischief, end quote. Ironically, given the fact that Democrats have spent four years and millions of taxpayer dollars trying to unseat a duly elected president, Gilman claims TIP members are afraid Trump will, quote, do things using the executive power, the power of the executive branch, to basically stop the full resolution of a close election, end quote. According to the TIP findings, the bipartisan TIP members, quote, Of all backgrounds and ideologies, believed that Trump would prioritize personal gain and self protection over ensuring an orderly administrative handoff to his successor. That's both weird and amazing that all the members with all those different ideologies would believe the same thing. The TIP executive summary asserts that it is incumbent upon elected officials, civil society leaders, and the press to challenge authoritarian actions in the courts, in the media, and in the streets through peaceful protest. Plan for a contested election. Address the two biggest threats head-on. Lies about voter fraud and escalating violence. Voting fraud is virtually non-existent, but Trump lies about it to create a narrative designed to politically mobilize his base and to create the basis for contesting the results should he lose. The potential for violent conflict is high, particularly since Trump encourages his supporters to take up arms. End quote. While fomenting a de facto color revolution, these leftists and Trump haters engage in rhetorical jujitsu to impute to Trump their own revolutionary tactics. American mind writer Dr. Darren Beatty, who has a PhD in political theory from Duke University, defines a color revolution as a, quote, specific type of coordinated attack that the United States government has been known to deploy against foreign regimes, particularly in Eastern Europe deemed to be authoritarian and hostile to American interests. Rather than using a direct military intervention to affect regime change, as in Iraq, color revolutions attack a foreign regime by contesting its electoral legitimacy organizing mass protests and acts of civil disobedience, and leveraging media contacts to ensure favorable coverage to their agenda in the Western press." End quote. Back in June 2020, Stacy Lennox outlined the color revolutionary forest that our focus on the burning trees has concealed. She cites a 2005 article by architect of Obama's Russian Reset Policy Michael McFall, in which McFall identifies seven factors necessary for a successful political revolution. One, a semi autocratic rather than fully autocratic regime. Two, an unpopular incumbent. Three, a united and organized opposition. Four, an ability quickly to drive home the point that voting results were falsified five, enough independent media to inform citizens about the falsified vote, six, a political opposition capable of mobilizing tens of thousands or more demonstrators to protest electoral fraud, and seven, divisions among the regime's coercive forces. According to Dr. Beattie, McFall was a key player agitating for Trump's impeachment. So let's see if the revolutionary jackboot fits our current crisis. One, which was a semi-autocratic regime, Democrats began labeling Trump a racist, tyrant, fascist, Nazi, and totalitarian before he had even taken office and absent any evidence. More recently, Democrats began circulating the wild story that Trump would contest the election because, you know, he's an autocrat. Ironically, it's Democrats who have hired an army of shysters to contest the election. Two, which was an unpopular incumbent, partly because of his unpalatable personality and off-putting tweets, partly because of the virulent hatred of the GOP establishment who can't control him, and partly because of the control by leftist elites over our mainstream press, academia, and the arts, Trump is, to put it gently, unpopular. Three, which was a united and organized opposition, Big Tech, the Legacy Press, Academia, BLM, Antifa, the Democrat Party, leftist government bureaucrats, and leftist NGOs have created a semi-organized opposition aided and abetted by never-Trumpers blinded by rage. For example, a recently leaked document from the Department of Homeland Security says this about the Portland riots, quote, We can't say any longer that this violent situation is opportunistic. A core set of threat actors are organized and show up night after night and share common tactics, techniques, and procedures. End quote. Number four, which was an ability quickly to drive home the point that voting results were falsified. Democrats have long spread the disinformation that Republicans are engaged in voter suppression and seek to sabotage the 2020 election. Democrats falsely claim that Trump was removing mailboxes and that he opposes mail-in voting and ballot harvesting for no reason other than preventing Democrats from voting. In reality, it's Democrats who seek to engage in voter fraud by opposing any minimal standards for protecting election integrity. Five, enough independent media to inform citizens about the falsified vote. There exist media outlets ready waiting and eager to inform citizens of alleged voter fraud, but they aren't independent and they won't be reporting on voter fraud. The mainstream press, that is the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, will portray all efforts to protect the election from the fraudulent acts that Democrats engage in via mail-in voting, opposition to identification verification, and ballot harvesting as attempts to, quote, steal the election, end quote. Six was a political opposition capable of mobilizing tens of thousands or more demonstrators to protest electoral fraud. The Democrat Party has already warned that its hordes of mostly violent rioters will be in the streets doing what they do best unless Harris and her cellar-dweller sidekick win. Seven was divisions among the regime's coercive forces. So the regime is the Trump administration and coercive forces are, for example, the military. Through disinformation in the media, particularly the New York Times and Atlantic, leftists have fomented division between Trump and the military and within the military itself. Stacy Lennox discusses the retired generals, including Jim Mattis, who publicly oppose Trump, as well as the CIA, FBI, DOJ, who are, quote, at odds internally and with the administration, end quote. In a series of articles on the news website Revolver, Beatty fleshes out the intensifying color revolution in progress in America with information about some of the contemporary architects who are hiding in plain sight, one of whom is Norm Eisen. According to Jacqueline Thompson, Eisen admitted he was planning legal wars against Trump since before he took office, and I quote, Eisen writes that before Trump was even inaugurated, a group of lawyers he labels the legal resistance Held weekly calls on Fridays about how to counter the administration in court. End quote. Beattie writes this alarming description of Eisen, and I quote As the man who implemented the David Brock blueprint for suing the president into paralysis and his allies into bankruptcy, who helped mainstream and amplify the Russia hoax, who drafted 10 articles of impeachment for the Democrats a full month before President Trump ever called the Ukraine president in 2018, There is perhaps no man alive with a more decorated resume for plots against President Trump. There is no pure embodiment of Revolver's thesis that the very same regime change professionals who run color revolutions on behalf of the U.S. government in order to undermine or overthrow alleged authoritarian governments overseas— are running the very same playbook to overturn Trump's 2016 victory and to preempt a repeat in 2020. To put it simply, what you see is not just the same color revolution playbook run against Trump, but the same people using it against Trump who have employed it in a professional capacity against targets overseas. Same people, same playbook. End quote. Eisen wrote the democracy playbook, in which he recommends these actions. Quote him, Form networks between other opposition groups, local electoral activists, and civil society groups. Increase election monitoring capacity and be prepared to use electoral abuse evidence as the basis for reform advocacy. Slow or obstruct illiberal reforms. Work to obstruct the passage of an executive's anti-democratic agenda. Pursue more extreme institutional measures, such as impeachment processes, votes of no confidence, and recall referenda. And utilize extra institutional tools, engaging in or encouraging, for example, a protest. Quote. Eisen is practiced at the strategic and tactical arts of creating the very kind of revolution about which Beatty, Lennox, and others are warning is already here in America. Prior to Eisen and his collaborators, prior even to McFaul, was the, quote, father of the whole field of the study of strategic nonviolent action, end quote, Gene Sharp, who is admired and praised by progressive heavyweights like Howard Zinn and Noam Chomsky. Marcy Smith, writing for the website Nonsite, describes Sharp's book published in 1973, The Politics of Nonviolent Action, and I quote her, in part one, Sharp argues a state's power is always fundamentally based on the voluntary consent, obedience, and cooperation of the governed. If one wants to control or collapse a regime, one must figure out how to withdraw these things en masse. The most strategic way to do this, Sharp says, is for protest movements to attack the sources of a government's political power with nonviolent action. In later work, he would urge protesters and their handlers to focus their moral incursions on the pillars of a regime's power, institutions like the media, universities, and the military. In Part 2, Sharp details 198 Nonviolent Actions. This list of protest tactics includes use of symbolic colors, parades, vigils, use of banners, forms of economic non-cooperation like boycotts, divestment campaigns, and political non-cooperation, like refusing to assist law enforcement." In the second part of her profile of SHARP, Marcy Smith traces the development of his ideas to today's activist training organization, Momentum, which began in 2015, and I quote her, The popular activist training institute and movement incubator, Momentum's focus is on training movements that will wake millions of people up to our power and transform our entire government to reflect the will of the people for the first time in U.S. history. Momentum seeks to build decentralized movements in the tradition of international civil resistance and so bring about structural change, a type of change, Momentum says, that won't come from within the political system. Momentum has trained 1,500 activists in at least 30 states, many of whom have gone on to be at the center of protests that have ricocheted throughout the nation. Some of the activist organizations Momentum has coached include Black Lives Matter. End quote. Smith is not the only leftist who sees the influence of Sharp in today's leftist movements. Two years ago, NBC News executive producer and sharp documentarian, the leftist Reed Arrow wrote this for Politico, and I quote, Through Occupy Wall Street, the Dakota Access Pipeline protests, the new women's movement, and increasingly constitutional defenses against Trump administration policies, Jean Sharp's work has been a rich resource, end quote. The mayhem we're seeing today is not the work of an organic grassroots movement. It is organized, subsidized and promoted by dogmatic left-wing activists working in the government, academia, think tanks, the mainstream press, and empowerment NGOs. No matter how you feel about Donald Trump, his election is critical. It is the only thing standing between revolutionary rule by radicals and freedom. Consider yourselves warned. Now warn your family, friends, neighbors, and colleagues.